Welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast series, brought to you by your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance, LLC. Discussing your life as a medical coder, offering coding tips and advice for coding students and professionals. Join us every Monday. Hello, and welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast series. My name is Jennifer McNamara, and our program is brought to you from your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance. And our goal is to bring you timely industry topics in the field of health information management, as well as tips for work-life balance. If you're a first-time listener, we thank you for listening today. And if you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button or follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We can be found on Podbean, Apple, and now iHeartRadio. Our disclaimer is always that our podcasts are not to be taken as legal or professional advice. They're based on our combined over 35 years experience in the coding and billing industry. And our goal is to share with you what we've learned and why we love this industry. Today is Monday, June 14th. Today we have a very special guest on our show. We're going to be talking about medical coding career tips from a recruiter's point of view. Our guest today is going to be Kyle Johnston, the VP of Client Services from Weller Healthcare IT, to help us all as coding professionals enhance our career and help new coders create their footprint in the industry. We're going to ask Kyle some great questions about how new coders can land a coding job, what the highest paying coding roles are out there, how we can really uh, utilize social media like Facebook and LinkedIn, and some of the best tips that he can provide us for resumes uh, and really creating your footprint in the industry. We're so excited to welcome uh, Kyle to the podcast today. Have you heard? Now the CCS exam is available without restrictions. Now is a great time to jumpstart your coding career with one of the most popular certifications in the country. The majority of employers require a CCS credential, and at Ozark Coding Alliance, we're here to help you achieve this goal. Join our workshop this July for only $129 and earn five CEUs. You can register at ccscoder.com. We have a very special guest, as mentioned. I'm so excited to bring to you today Kyle Johnston, the VP of Client Services at Weller Healthcare IT. Welcome, to, uh, Kyle, to the podcast today. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Jennifer, for having me. Very excited about this. It was uh, such a great partnership um, that we decided to bring on because we really wanted to talk today and really continue our conversation we had a few months ago on our podcast about career development. And so Kyle is here um, as, you know, the, the VP of client services. We work together quite a bit to help coders find jobs. As, as many of you know, you see me on LinkedIn, you, you see me out there really pushing to help coders find work um, due to the, the pandemic. It wasn't just uh, new coders. It was all coders that were affected by um, the, the crisis there. And so a lot of coders were out of work. And so we were really, really trying our best to find these recruitment companies that had these jobs for coders that were seasoned coders, as well as, uh, you know, helping new coders find work. I know that can be a daunting task when you're just getting out into the field and you, you want to get that perfect job. So uh, Kyle is here to help us answer some of these questions that I'm sure a lot of you out there have had. And so, uh, Kyle, first of all, if you want to give us a little bit of background about yourself and about your company. Absolutely. So, Weller, uh, we are three years in officially, and we are focused in as what you would call really a, a vendor or a recruitment firm or a staffing firm. Uh, and our entire goal is 
working with uh, insurance companies, health systems, hospitals, provider groups, uh, and even uh, software and IT companies that have maybe created a coding platform. You know, we work with all of them as our clients. We assist them with staffing support, whether they need someone uh, on board full time, and we can help them fill that, that direct hire need. Uh, but more often than not, they just have a, a, a hospital that might have a backlog, and we're going to help them with some contract staff. Uh, or it could be HCC coding, uh, where it's that time of the year, uh, and you're going to bring on seasonal staff, and we'll help them there too. So we are all about finding those positions with our clients, and then my team of recruiters will come in uh, and obviously work with the candidates, find the right candidates, and then obviously we supply them to our clients for those positions. And I've been doing this now for 10 years, um, specifically working within uh, the coding industry, uh, assisting coders with finding those jobs, uh, and then obviously assisting more recently with my clients uh, to fill their positions. So I did start as a recruiter. Uh, I know that area quite well, and it's morphed into sales going and finding, you know, what exactly are these hospitals, medical groups, insurance companies, what are they looking for in candidates and, and why do they need them? Uh, and then now I've more morphed into a, a more senior level role, but I quite enjoy um, assisting folks, you know, it's my job. And if we can find them their best career uh, or set them on a career path, uh, that's obviously what we're here to do. So I'm very excited to do this and hopefully the information I share is going to be helpful. Excellent. Thank you so much. So let's get into it and let's interview Kyle and ask him these questions that I know all of you are dying to know the answer to. So first of all, let's let's talk about our new coders. How can a new coder yep. land a job in today's market? We know they're so anxious. Absolutely. So really, this is going to be twofold. Um, and the first part I'm going to dive into a little bit deeper uh, later in our conversation. But I think the first part is really finding those companies that are hiring entry-level coders. And believe it or not, it exists. That is a real thing. Um, it's not all over the place, and it's not something that you can easily find. But I'm going to give you the tips, hopefully, where you can get in there and find it. So a big company that probably a lot of folks already know about, United Health Group Optum. Um, I'm just going to use them as an example right now because they hire a lot of entry-level uh, coders, coders, some without any experience, um, some with six months or less than a year experience. And the reason they're doing that is because they want to be the ones that train up that individual and kind of set the pace with them, teach them the, the way that they want things to be done, you know, their guidelines, their rules, so to speak. So something I want those entry-level coders or, or newbies to understand is there's a bit of a, um, a key component that you bring to the table. Not so much the experience, but the ability to come in green and an ability for a client to teach you the way they want. Because one downfall of a very seasoned coder, they might come in with their own way of doing things and it might not mesh appropriately um, with that client. So there's a piece of uh, uh, a bonus to you being new. So we'll get into that later and you can identify those entry-level roles, but they exist. And the second part of this is, I always tell people, don't be ashamed of getting your first position that isn't necessarily with a coding title. You know, I know you've, you've gotten your education, you maybe even have your apprentice level 
credential, a CCEA or CPCA, and you're just uh, extremely focused on getting that coding role. However, it's going to be a lot easier to go after positions that are within revenue cycle that, you know, might touch the coding space. Uh, I'll give you a couple examples. One could be at a single provider office. They could be looking for front office staff or someone that's in registration. Now, again, that's not exactly what you were looking for, but keep in mind, a lot of the front office staff, a lot of people who handle the registration, believe it or not, they're actually handling a lot of the coding. Because if they're only seeing five or six patients a day, you're going to be able to start getting your hands in there. If you're looking at a hospital, maybe it's a local hospital, they're hiring full-time for on-site positions, it's within medical billing. Again, it's within registration. It's accounts payable, accounts receivable, uh, a registrar position. You know, all of these roles, some better than others, are going to be able to get your foot in the door. You're going to be in that arena. You're going to be, you know, learning from the staff. You're going to be going over to the coding department, finding out who they are, going out to lunch with them, learning from them, and making apparent that that's where you want to be. And it's going to take time to morph up into that different uh, department. Uh, but it's absolutely possible. So there are other ways to get yourself in there. You might just have to take a quick back seat and get a position that may not have the coding title in order to earn that a little bit later down the road. I completely agree with that, Kyle. And actually at our company, when we do hire coders, when we have a client that has a need, I actually do also prefer to hire new coders because I can train them. Mm Uh, the way the provider um, expects us to, to do their the work there. And of course, I can give them the, the industry top tips that I've learned, of course. Um, but one of the things, of course, as we know, the reason a lot of people go into coding is because of the pay uh, and how it can increase their pay, especially if they're going from a receptionist biller role and they want to increase their, uh, their um, salary. So what are the highest paying coding roles that are out there right now? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say the highest paying coding roles are really going to be what I would call an inpatient or facility coder. You know, those are the coders that are, you know, your DRG coders that are coding for an actual hospital for those folks uh, that are staying overnight. So you're looking at various lengths of stays, whether it's, you know, one night, you know, or a hundred day length of stay. So your inpatient facilities, DRG coders, those folks, are really looking in the ballpark of $70,000 and up. And from there, you can honestly have seen a lot of people transition into auditing positions. So of course you're still within coding, but auditors traditionally, it's a higher level role. And it's of course a higher paying role. And I've even seen folks move into other arenas such as CDI, so your clinical documentation improvement, both in the inpatient setting as well now in the outpatient setting. Um, And so that's more geared around education of the physicians and the providers themselves. So really your top tier roles are gonna be that inpatient, moving into auditing, and then of course moving into quite possibly education as well. So those are your highest, that's the goal. Yes, definitely. And um, of course, right now at Ozark Coding Alliance, one of our main focuses right now is helping 
these coders that have had some experience now move into an auditing role uh, by obtaining their CPMA credential, the Certified Professional Medical Auditor. So um, that's one of the things that we're focusing on this year specifically is training coders in that. We have a great program that we're, of course, offering. So any out there listeners that are interested in learning that, you can contact us later and learn more about that, um, that credential. But next, let's talk about some of those places, right? Those entry-level job types that you mentioned. Uh, to keep in mind, uh, you know, you, you mentioned some of those. So are there any other places you might think of that um, that coders can, can go to? Um, you know, I think the most important thing is when you think coding, uh, maybe you're at your local AAPC chapter or, or maybe you're talking to other coders. You maybe have a friend, a coder, and wanting you to get into it. You know, the, the pull here is being remote working contract edition with flexible hours uh, and, and, and being well paid. And that is certainly the goal, but that's usually not what you're gonna get right out of the gate. And that's more or less for folks that are not so much veterans in the industry, but people that have a few years of experience, they're kind of in that realm of getting what's so enticing about remote coding. You're remote, it's flexible, it pays well. So to start, and you're looking at these medical billing roles or the registrar, uh, or you're looking for um, accounts receivable, accounts payable, any of these things, my biggest point here is going into your local hospitals, health systems, provider groups, going to their websites, and they're all going to be posting their positions. So if you're not utilizing your direct organization here, I'm in Jacksonville, Florida, so I've got Baptist. Uh, here in North Florida, and anybody who is in this area can go on the Baptist website, they can go over to jobs, you can go into revenue cycle, and it's going to break everything down, and they are all there. So I highly recommend to start, you're going to have to kind of bite the bullet, and more than likely, you're going to have something that's on site, something that's a nine to five, on um, something that might not necessarily be that coding title. So I would definitely start by looking locally first, looking at all local health organizations. If you've got a local insurance company, if you've got a local provider medical group, if you've got that local hospital, get on those websites, get into those job boards that are actually tied to their websites and every single job posting is gonna get in there. So if you have not done that already, that's gonna be your fastest way to get in the door uh, for newly either credentialed coders or people just looking to get into it in general. Excellent advice, I totally agree. And then here locally where I am in Northwest Arkansas, you know, we have so many options, so many hospitals here, and we have a new Blue Cross Blue Shields building going up. Mm. And so I always tell people, think of these things, look around what's actually being built around you, what offices are being, you know, um, put in place and what hospitals, you know, you have to go there first. That's where they need coders the most. Um, but again, yeah. um, there are different areas I know, like you mentioned. And so there are benefits, I would think, to going directly to a hospital or a physician practice. But there might also be benefits in going to an, a company that specializes in hiring coders specifically for their clients. So what are some of the benefits of, of that? Yes, absolutely. You know, there is a, a good thing uh, surrounding someone with tenure, uh, Someone who signs up, let's say, with the Blue Cross Blue Shield of Arkansas, now that they're taking things off there, as you mentioned, locally to you. If someone gets their foot in the door and they stay there for 10 years, that is absolutely something that employers look for. Um, and so I do think that 
there's a, a benefit to being somewhere long-term and showing that in potential employers in the future that, hey, when I get somewhere, I put my time in, uh, I'm a dedicated employee. You know, on the flip side of that, if you're looking at uh, companies like mine, staffing firms, recruiting firms, there's a lot of us out there. Obviously, I'm with Weller, but you've got your Hamagin, your Addison, uh, your Trust HCS, uh, your Norwoods, I mean, the list goes on and on. A lot of them are out there. I think your benefit here is going to be the amount of health systems or insurance companies or provider groups that you can work for to gain an immense amount of experience in the exact same time. So if you were with that one employer for 10 years, right, that's one way of doing things. That's one set of guidelines. That's one set of rules. However, you move over to the staffing firm, you're going to start working, even if it's 12-month contracts, which is a long time, and you're actually listing on your resume. Don't be too concerned with being a job hopper. You know, if you're listing remote contracts for Weller, you know, new employers are going to see, this isn't job hopping, this is contract work. They're out there gaining experience from multiple high-level hospitals they're learning multiple sets of guidelines. They're learning multiple ways to do things. So you're going to, in the same amount of time, get way more experience and way more exposure by getting yourself in the door with individuals like us. And not to mention pay rates. That's a huge factor as well. So let's say you're at that one location for 10 years. Maybe you have two raise opportunities for increased pay. When you work for an organization like ours, at Weller, we believe as you're going from project to project, if you're meeting productivity standards, if you're meeting accuracy, we're getting great feedback from you, you're becoming more valuable, more sought after. You're going to be the candidate that we want to redeploy every single time your contract ends. We want to redeploy you to another one, and guess what that means? Increased pay. So now in the same time frame, you could have an increased pay 10 separate times. So not only are you gaining this experience, but you can quite easily earn more money in a shorter period of time as well by working with the staffing firm. So I do find that those two benefits are probably the two highest. Excellent. Excellent. I, I'm so excited to hear that because that makes me feel good about the choices that I made in my career. I, I actually have work contract work for companies like Imagine uh, and Gebs mm-hmm. and uh, Via Code. And so I've, I've learned a lot and I'm amazed, you know, starting out in a local hospital for most of my career and then going to a contract work like that, the, the fast pace and the, um, the things you learn and the people you work with and you just bounce ideas off each other and you just, you learn so much. I have become a more proficient coder and consultant just by taking that opportunity to work for a contract company. It really has boosted my career in so many ways. So I definitely agree um, that it is a great benefit to, to go that way. Um, now with coders, again, with no experience, uh, should they apply for positions that require multiple years of experience. I know a lot of out there say that and they get a little nervous about applying for those. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I find that if it is a a smaller organization that's looking, I think if you're applying to something that says, you know, hey, you need to have a CPC for five years and you need to have five years experience in coding, and maybe you only have two. If it is a smaller organization that you're applying to and they're going to have less applicants, then absolutely, 
I do think that you can go ahead and do it. There's no rules against you applying to it. You know, there's nothing saying that you can't do it. Why not just throw your hat in the ring and, and see if something happens? Uh, however, I don't always recommend it in your larger, more well-known organizations, only because a lot of people want to work there. A lot of people who already meet those qualifications are going to be applied, and you're really going to be down there at, at the bottom of the list. So I don't always recommend it. I go back to kind of the beginning part of our conversation is start looking outside the box, maybe not just at the coding roles if you don't have the experience. You're really going to have to start expanding and looking at things that touch coding. You know, do your research and take a look at everything in a health system or healthcare organization that touches coding. There's quite a few. If you can get your foot in the door there, you're going to see a lot better chance to then be there, be at that employer, perform well, and then when they do have a coder opening, guess what? You're already in the door. You're already set up with HR. You're going to have a lot better chance to be looked at first but being an internal employee already and having exposure to those individuals who are even doing the hiring. So I would much rather see people go after something that's outside of coding that touches it than go after something that they're not qualified for. Thank you so much, Kyle. That really helps. I know it's going to help a lot of people kind of uh, gauge uh, what, what options they have and where they, sh- where they should go. Now, for coders that are freshly certified, what are your tips for helping them gain experience in the industry? We know it's like a catch-22 sometimes. Well, they need the experience, but how do they get it? And so what are some of your tips for that? Yeah, so really, it's going to be kind of the same things we were talking about. But now I kind of want to start morphing into really different ways that they can find these entry-level roles. So outside of what we touched on, you know, I hate to bring it up again, but really look outside the box. Don't be ashamed to get something that doesn't have the coding title just to get your foot in the door. The other thing I want to share is making sure that you are utilizing uh, the job boards. For example, you know, if you're not a newly credentialed coder or you're just looking to get in this, I would absolutely make sure you're going to careerbuilder.com. You're going to monster.com. You're going to uh, Indeed. Uh, you're going to the Facebook groups, which we'll touch on soon. You're going into LinkedIn, which I'm going to touch on soon. Um, but if you're not utilizing these platforms, uh, you're definitely doing yourself a disservice, especially at an entry-level candidate. And the reason I'm going to tell you that is when you're on Indeed and Career Builder and Monster, don't just post a resume and sit back and wait. You're actually going to have to get a little bit more aggressive than that if you don't have the experience. You're going to have to start searching entry-level roles. And it's going to take some time and you're going to have to put in some effort. But I see a lot of times people will put their resume out there and say, hey, you know, I just haven't heard anything. And honestly, if you are entry-level, you might not. You know, I'd say the chances are against you. So if you're not utilizing the search tools that are within all of those job boards to go out and find those entry-level roles and then specifically apply yourself to those positions, both local on-site positions, as well as anything nationwide that's remote uh, and entry level, I absolutely suggest you to do so. So my advice is to get a little bit more proactive. And I know this is going to morph well, hopefully, into our next section, uh, which would be social media. But that's probably the next place that I would take it. 
Absolutely. Yes. Let's move right along into that question. Cause I know that's one of my favorite questions and my favorite thing to talk about is how to use social media. So many are not utilizing it. So I've done myself like yourself done these, uh, other, um, you know, live sessions where we show people visually how to do this. And so we're here on a podcast. We're going to try to explain to you now, um, how coders can utilize social media like Facebook and LinkedIn. So Kyle, what are your suggestions? Yeah, absolutely. So those are my two biggest, um, LinkedIn and Facebook, and I, and I do treat them differently. Um, and, you know, a lot of us think, oh, okay, you know, LinkedIn is turning into Facebook or people on Facebook who only go on and, you know, share inspirational quotes and, and political views. And you know what? We can, we can all look past that and utilize these things to our advantage. And I'm probably going to start with Facebook first, and then I'll morph into LinkedIn and this is going to be part finding jobs and part networking. And this is definitely a great arena to be in. And this is something you should be doing daily, whether you are a new coder looking for a job or you are a entry-level coder with maybe six months experience or a veteran, you know, quite honestly, everyone can benefit from this. So within Facebook, there are Facebook groups. Hopefully a lot of your listeners are already a part of these and know these but there's ways you can use it to your advantage. So Facebook has groups and in those groups, you can actually click on it. There's going to be a search tool. It's going to ask you what kind of groups do you want to be a part of? You're going to want to type in medical coder or coder, or you can get even more specific and you can say, you know, interventional radiology coder uh, or profi coder or inpatient. My suggestion is to start broad. There's groups out there like American medical coders, uh, medical uh, billing and coding. Uh, jobs for American medical coders. You know, there's groups that range from 5,000 members to certain coding groups I'm a part of that are 25,000 members. And the reason you're going to want to be in there, uh, it's for a couple of reasons. Um, one, it's going to be for seeing what jobs are being posted. So I'm on there daily. My recruiters are on there daily. And I know all of the competing staffing firms, they're on there and their recruiters are on there too. So what you're going to see is you're going to see a daily drip of the hottest jobs that are across the entire nation from all the different staffing firms. Not only are you going to see what they are, it's going to say, you know, Jane Smith, a recruiter at XYZ staffing firm is going to say, I have uh, inpatient coder needs. You only need one year experience. A CCA is fine. Um, it's remote. It's 40 hours a week. You know, here's my email. Please reach out to me. So not only are you seeing a daily drip of positions, but now you're actually getting the contact information for recruiters across the whole U.S. So this is what I'm talking about, getting proactive. Not only getting proactive on those job boards and posting your resume, but then actually searching and applying self-positions. But when you're on these Facebook groups, it's another fantastic way to see what jobs are out there. And not only that, but then you're going to have the recruiter's email that you can email. You can introduce yourself to uh, he or she, and you can say, here's what I'm looking for. Please save my resume. Let's keep in touch. Give yourself a calendar invite to reach out to them again in three months. And now you're building this network of recruiters. And more often than not, they're going to respond and say, thank you. Um, guess what? I have a job right now. I would love to talk to you about it. You know, it is their, literally, you know, their job, it sounds ridiculous, but, you know, they're getting paid to make sure that you find a position, and then that's how they earn. 
So it's very advantageous for a recruiter to get out there and find those folks jobs. So don't be bashful in reaching out to them. We absolutely want to hear from people. Um, so that's the first way to do it. See those jobs that are getting posted, start forming relationships with those recruiters, reaching out to the source directly. The second reason is quite often there's questions posted in those groups from other coders. Things like, hey, I've, I've reached such and such chart. Um, you know, I've got a question on it. You're going to see 20, 30 responses from veteran coders that are in there helping new coders. So if you are a new coder and you have a question and you just don't know where to turn, those Facebook groups are awesome, awesome tools uh, to answer any questions that you have. So absolutely utilize it. Like I said before, it's a disservice to yourself if you're not. Now moving into LinkedIn, I really find LinkedIn more around building your professional profile in your industry, in this instance, the coding industry. So within profile, you know, if you don't already have one on LinkedIn, please do. Um, if you're not even signed up on it, please do. Uh, not only are the recruiters and the staffing firms on LinkedIn and even hiring managers with the healthcare organizations, they're on there as well. You'll see them all over the Facebook groups and all over LinkedIn. So everyone who's hiring are on both these platforms. So build that LinkedIn profile, make sure you have a picture and one key component is going to be making sure that you have things on your LinkedIn profile that when we as staffing firms, hiring managers, recruiters are searching on LinkedIn, we can find you. You're going to want to put any credentials you have, even if it's an apprentice credential. You're going to want to put titles in like inpatient coder, profi coder, ACC coder, you know, physician educator, auditor. Because when we go on LinkedIn and we search, you're going to want to be one that pops up. So have those keywords. Then you're going to want to make sure that you're finding out, you know, do a quick Google search, find out who these coding recruitment firms are, find out who some of the biggest helpful organizations are, and really go on LinkedIn, find those companies, follow those companies so you can see their updates, and then also dig a little deeper and find the recruiters at each and every one of these organizations, more specifically at the, uh, at the recruitment staffing companies like mine, but also a lot of these hospitals and health systems have corporate recruiters themselves. So if you can get in there and find the recruiters at these organizations on LinkedIn, connect with all of them, and then send in a similar message once you're connected, just like you were doing on Facebook in the groups, finding those postings and emailing the recruiters, now you can message everyone on LinkedIn as well. And you're giving the same thing. Hey, here's my resume. Here's what I'm looking for. Let's definitely keep in touch. And you can be a little aggressive about it. I wouldn't reach out every day or every week, uh, but certainly once a month is absolutely fine. Uh, those big areas, in my opinion, are extra steps that you can take in order to go out and find positions for yourself. Thank you so much, Kyle. I'm just a huge fan of, the, of everything you just said because it's literally everything that I tell people all the time. And uh, we have also, a lot of us coders have actually set up specific Facebook groups specifically for different specialties because we know that some coders had questions that are more specialized. So we're like, okay, there isn't a group for that. Let's create one. So a couple of us yeah. coders created a general surgery group. We created an ortho spine group. And then another one of our coders just added a, a spine pain management group. You know, it's just these specialized areas that coders just struggle in. And we, of course, want to help them. So we're big advocates of helping coders and new coders learn more about these topics. Now, um, 
it comes down to finding that job. A lot of times what I'm finding is it's the resume that can be the problem. And I've been a hiring manager. I've, I've done all of that. I've, I've been in that role and I've looked at so many resumes. I've done some on the side recruitment as well. So I've seen some things that I worry me about some of the resumes I've seen that could be hurtful to coders. So what are your tips, you know, especially brand new coders that don't really understand the proper way to do a resume? Yeah, I think my, my sort of broad belief with resumes would assist both newbies, you know, people maybe are just looking into getting coding as well as your veterans in the industry. Uh, I would say that that old rule that you hear it was something like, you know, a hiring manager is giving seven seconds to look at your resume. And as I tell folks, it's, it's probably even less than that, to be perfectly honest. So any chance you can get your resume down to one page, I highly recommend it. And it's important because a lot of times there's going to be many, many, many applicants and believe it or not, some of those longer resumes are going to be cumbersome for a hiring manager to go through. If yours is short, concise, in one page, or maybe two at the most, they're going to get through it a lot faster and pull out that information that they want. So that's, that's my golden rule is get it as short and concise as possible because you just don't have a lot of time when your resume is being reviewed. I think secondly, when it comes to coders themselves, if you do have a credential, make sure when you list your name at the top of the resume, it's paramount to put your credential after your name. Even if it's a CCA or a CPCA or, or anything that it might be, make sure that you have your credential right after your name. It's going to be the very first thing, if it's a coding role, that that hiring manager or recruiter is looking at. So what's your name? What's the credential? After that, I don't necessarily believe in objectives. I think if you are applying to that role and you're even in the front of the hiring manager at that point in time, they're going to know what your objective is. You're obviously interested in their position. I think a summary is important. I think the summary should be anywhere from three, four, maybe five bullets at the most. And I think what you're really trying to show in that summary, I'm going to give you an example, um, but it's anything that you've done that will outperform somebody else, really, because resumes are just about bragging. You obviously can't be lying on your resume, but you are really trying to boast. You're trying to brag, and you're trying to get ahead of everyone else. So in that summary, I'll give you an example. Even if you're a student coder, right, and you're looking for that new coding role, if you're a student for two years in coding, add up how many hours that was. Right. And if you could put something like 900 hours of studying in my field, that's going to look a whole lot better than not saying anything about your education and having it down at the bottom. Um, if you are a coder that worked for six months, you can put things like, you know, met um, productivity. Uh, you know, I outperformed. I did a, a higher volume than everyone in my department on a day to day, week to week or month to month basis. Consistently met 95 percent or higher accuracy in all of my audits. I mean, you really want to show what did you do and how you can apply that to the next location. And really with your positions, same thing, short and concise. Obviously, we need our date and our title uh, and the client itself, but really three to four bullet points. And it's going to be things that you did that were above and beyond that assisted that organization. Maybe you identified something in the guidelines for a particular client that you didn't agree with, you went ahead and looked it up and you were able to advance the guidelines in the right direction. 
you know, that's something above and beyond uh, that you were able to do. Or maybe you were part of the rebuttal process and you were able to streamline that rebuttal process down from, you know, three days with a response down to 12 hours. You know, anything that you've done that's outperformed or went above and beyond, you know, get that in that resume. So really high level picture is think outside the box, brag about yourself and get it as short and concise as you possibly can and make sure your credentials are listed up top and your education is fine to put down, you know, at the very bottom. So that's kind of my high level overview. Thank you so much, Kyle. I, I'm so excited to be able to broadcast this episode to everyone. I know everyone that's listening is going to be so happy to hear all of this information. Now, how can a coder get in touch with recruiters? Uh, you talked about that a little bit in social media, but uh, what is, you know, some of the, the best ways to do that? Yeah, absolutely. I think really the, the LinkedIn is your best bet. Um, uh, every recruiter at every staffing agency even on their first day or at least in their first week is going to be going ahead and putting in a LinkedIn profile if they haven't already. So LinkedIn, everyone's going to have that profile. I highly suggest getting in there and connecting with them. Obviously, like I mentioned before, um, with the Facebook groups, um, and you might have to start scrolling through some of them to start identifying, you know, there's more recruiters uh, than you could ever imagine that are in there. Their emails are listed in there. They want to hear from you. Um, you're going to want to reach out to them. Um, I think outside of that, you know, your Google searches. Um, obviously, every one of these companies has their website. Uh, they're going to have contact information, and they're going to have their main lines. You know, if you're not opposed to it, you can call into their main line, and you can ask for a recruiter by all means. I mean, a short and quick conversation with uh, anyone. When you call in, you're probably going to hit uh, an admin you're probably going to hit the front desk, um, 100% ask for the recruiting department, get in there, just ask to talk to a recruiter and say, hey, don't want to take a lot of your time. Go ahead, please give me your email. I'd like to give you my resume and I'd like to keep in touch with you. The goal is get that email, whether it's from LinkedIn, calling into the company from doing a Google search uh, or on the Facebook groups. Once you have these emails and these names of these candidates or recruiters, excuse me, Make sure that you're keeping in constant conversation with any and all of them. You know, some of the candidates that are going to do the best is because they're staying in front of these recruiters. They form relationships with these recruiters. You know, I can't tell you how many candidates I know at a level where we're texting each other back and forth during the holidays. They've worked with me for so many years. I know all about them, their families, where they live, their hobbies, and everything. You know, those are the relationships you want to form. Uh, and... Just make sure you do that. You might reach out to 20 different recruiters and you might end up finding four of them at four different companies that you just clicked with the best. And that should be sufficient enough for you in your career to constantly keep in touch with them that you'll get a pretty consistent drip of, uh, of positions. Thank you so, so much. Kyle, this has been such a pleasure to have you on the show today. And we're so grateful for all the tips you've shared with us. I just know that all the coders out there, uh, future and current coders are going to just be excited to, to put into practice all of the things that we've talked about today and really grow their career and advance their career in the health information management industry. So thank you, Kyle, so, so much. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's definitely something that's fun and it's exciting. Um, I recommend anyone who has 
any further questions, at least from me. Um, I can obviously supply my contact information, um, but you can easily find Weller, W-E-L-L-E-R, uh, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, as we've been talking about, as well as our website. You know, I'm on all those social media platforms, too. Um, so free to reach out to me, not only for positions, and I can put you in touch with one of my recruiters, um, but any questions you might have as, as follow-up to this phone call as well, or excuse me, podcast. Um, and we'd be happy to help. You know, it's exciting. It's a great environment um, to work in. And any help I can give, uh, I think it's needed. It's always our goal here at the Life as a Coder podcast series to educate. And as always, we say knowledge is power. The knowledge you gain today makes you powerful tomorrow. Never give up on coding. Always keep learning and keep growing. This has been Jennifer McNamara with Life as a Coder. We thank our sponsors at Ozark Coding Alliance and our special uh, thank you to our podcast producer, Gabriel Fass with Highland Productions for always making us sound so great. Thank you. And until next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Life as a Coder podcast series brought to you by your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance, LLC. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort. It helps us share the show with other coders, students, and professionals just like you. Come back every Monday for a new episode. We'll catch you then. Project Resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Be sure to reference this podcast when you place your order.